Okay, good morning everybody, Shavua Tov. Um, and days like we're in, we've been in for a while now, we're always uh, dreaming of coming out of Shabbos to some kind of like new world, something huge, some kind of sh- tremendous shift. You know, some kind of game-changing situation, something changing dramatically. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, over Shabbos, <clears throat> over Shabbat, we lost a chayal. And I believe that last night we lost another chayal, beautiful, another beautiful Ethiopian yid. A lot of the Ethiopian brothers have been farming as well. And it's been very hard to start off the week with feeling any type of koach, any type of, I don't know, adrenaline, any energy. And which really makes me feel so thankful because to me, and I think to many of us, yesh po besora. There's a besora here. There is actually something to share in the world here. This is a simcha. It is a simcha. And I want to just acknowledge it. Obviously, it came out of a tzara, but it's a big simcha because any moment of waking up is a simcha. Any moment of waking up. And the women behind the wheel that are steering this, this engine are, are amazing, incredible chayalot kedoshot. And, um, you know, they've been mentioned before, and I've been having this thought of working with them closely. I'm just so thankful for my children that they, they should know there are strong, powerful women here in Efrat that will not accept whatever it was. That, mama. I think that's huge. I think that's worth making the biggest, you know, the biggest Indian of. I think it's an amazing, beautiful thing. So I want to just, Bemet, from, from, from my heart, thank all the women that are involved in Baidaim Shelano. I do believe that there are moments in time where there's an opportunity for a complete shift. And when they're not taken, when those opportunities are not being taken advantage of, Khalila, the other side, comes in even more and more and more. And after Simchat Torah, the truth is, there could have been a much, much, much larger shift, mitzad da'am, on many levels. It could have been like an actual thing that those that have been killing us and want to kill us can be removed from the land. It's not, it shouldn't be such a um, complicated conclusion to come to. But because we're still very much tangled up in a galut mentality, many of the things that we should do and can do, we still don't do. But sometimes you have geuladika women, bispus nashim tzadkanians, that aren't thinking galut, they're thinking geula, they're thinking Eretz Yisrael, they're thinking about tomorrow in a healthy, healthy, healthy way. So you're leading the way, and I just want to give a bracha that we should continue going that way, for many more years, in a healthy, healthy manner. I'm going to speak, usually, when we have, we have a Sunday morning shir, Baruch Hashem, for, for many years now. And when I was thinking about what I want to share, I would probably just pick up from anywhere in the Sefer that we've been learning for the last few years, because it's the context of everything that we're speaking about. However, we're focusing very much right now on the topic of Avodah Ivrit. And there's two things that I, I first want to say what I'm not going to be speaking about, and then I'll say what I am, just to make it clear. In the second Aliyah, it's about, um, about 120 years ago, 115 years ago, 
the second Aliyah, when we came to Eretz Yisrael, people understood that one of the ways you'll entice people to come and feel comfortable and feel right about living in Eretz Yisrael is, of course, job opportunities. And there was a whole story with the white book from the British, uh, from the British mandate. Then, without going into it, these questions came up to the Gedolim of our century at that time, in terms of what are we supposed to do? Because even back then, in 1915, when Jews started coming home, the, the Yishmaeli understood, wait a second, let me lower my rates by crazy, and then we'll have an Indian of the same exact tension that we have today. Because maybe, the, like Rav Kimchi so beautifully said, they really know us, we don't, just don't know them, Perhaps they even knew how sensitive we were to halacha and how much within the framework of halacha there's always this, this meeting between people on the level of just basic humanity. So therefore, if I see there's so many people that you know, we can make their lives easier for them by offering them cheaper labor, it's not so spasha to just say it's asur, which is a big Indian that I am not going to solve. I don't think any of us can solve this. I leave that to the contractors and to the people that are active in that world to show us that it's not as crazy as we think and to understand a bit more of the gap between those two worlds of Jewish labor and non-Jewish labor. But even back then, Rav Kook was approached on the matter and was asked, halachically, what could we do? If they're offering it to us for so much cheaper, you know, what, what should we do? So Rav Cook says he found it okay to permit to mechaev, to obligate someone to pay a th- uh, up to a third extra to a Jewish employer. And then, uh, I believe it was later, his Talmudian Rav Shaul Yisraeli said, he, ex- he basically changed it and he said, it's actually up to a sixth. That's how much you're obligated to pay for Jewish labor, up to a, up to a sixth. Now, why am I not going down the halachic route over here? I don't go down any halachic routes ever. Like, my, Reb, my Rebbeim always told me, never get into any halachic dispute with anyone, <laughs> because everyone always has a shita that shows that yours are wrong. So, uh, Hashem. I mean, the, the food's kosher, we keep Shabbos, you understand what I'm saying, but that's not, I don't believe that's the calling of, of today's door anyway. So, I'm not going to go into that the whole shaila of like the halachic obligations of it or not. Which brings me to the second thing that I, I'm actually not going to go into. You realize that if Rav Kimchi said exactly what he said, especially the last five minutes of what he said, if Rav Kimchi said that on October 6th, what do you think the response to Rav Kimchi would be in the front? Od Meshigana, another Kahanist freak. That, that's what they would say, 100%. That's what they would say. Rav Kimchi is not radical. Rav Kimchi is a Talmid Chacham Hagun, a dear friend and a big teacher to me who's held my hand for a long time already. A very, Ben Adam, people feel this is a, I don't know, people like, like to hear this word, matun. I don't know how you say matun in English. Moderate. Rav Kimchi is speaking the metziyut of this world. I don't feel that talking about avodah ivrit by showing us how insane we'd be to bring snakes into the house is really where I want to go with this either, because I feel like it belittles us, actually. It actually feels like it belittles our, our intelligence, and it belittles our sensitivity, that I need to explain why it's probably not a good idea to have pro-Hamas supporters 
swarming the sweet streets of Efrat with our precious children, walking around here, having them be the ones to build our homes, our shuls, and our schools. And I wanted to say something that I even stand here, and I'm modal, I'm it, and it's very hard for me as well, um, that we had, we had Arab labor in here as well, not anymore. And we have to finish the shul, but Bezrat Hashem, that won't be the case. Um, but it's a shift of consciousness that we're all going through. And again, like I said before, if we don't take the opportunity to jump on this shift of consciousness and awakening, then what are we even doing here in Eretz Yisrael? And that's my question. What are we even doing here in Eretz Yisrael? And that's the question of our Sunday morning shir for the last, I don't know how many, more, how many years we've been doing this. But like, what are we, what are we really even doing here? Trying to answer that question, Be'emet, what are we really doing over here? And I think that when we try to understand the privilege that we have to do what we're doing here, things like Avodah Ivrit will be given. They won't have to be sessions where we have to show and convince and lead compelling arguments. I think it'll just be a, a, a given when we activate a place inside of us that tends to have gotten a little bit of a backseat in the last 75 years, and that's the role of the neshama in the world of Aliyah and building Eretz Yisrael. Like we've said, quoting Jeremy Gundel and Arya Bramowitz many times, <clears throat> we have to keep on making Aliyah. Many of us felt that we, we did it once we made Aliyah. Check. And most of us realize it only starts once you make Aliyah. It only starts, that whole avodah of the nefesh, of what we're really trying to do here only starts when we, start to, when, when we come back home and start to make aliyah over and over and over and over again. So again, without going into the halachas, because again, you can always show lechan u lechan. Although when it comes to pikuach nefesh, there's no lechan u lechan, and therefore I don't even want to go there, because again, it's... It's not something that I think we should be wasting any time trying to explain anything that has to do with our attitude towards Yishmael and Yishmael's attitude towards us. I want to speak Neshama, I want to speak Chassidus, I want to speak from Pnimi Yisatona. I want to speak from that place to try to understand what it is we're trying to do here and in that light to hopefully get a better perspective when it comes to something like Avodah Ivrit. And of course... There are a few giants that we have to look through their eyes to understand what we're trying to talk about. And I, I admit, I don't have, I, unlike, unlike Rav Kimchi, I, I don't have two days of material. But next time, note taken, we have to call in, even for like a segment at 11, we call him at 9.30, that day. But I do want to share with you something. Um, and I'm, I don't think we have enough pages either, which is a very beautiful thing. Kola kavod, guys. I want to share with you something beautiful that I'm sure many of you have seen. And I want to speak about the schut of digging our hands deep into Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kimchi spoke about the mud within his fingernails, right? As a boy growing up in Kibbutz Shalavim, my mother spent two years on Achshara. She was in Kibbutz Beirut Yitzchak in the 70s. My father grew up when he made Aliyah from Argentina in 1962. He grew up on a, a beautiful... Um, Beautiful. It's a school. I, I think they're still there. It's a boarding school for Olim called Yemin Ord. Have you, any of you heard of Yemin Ord? Up north? Yeah, it's next to... Uh, it's, 
close to Haifa. Not so far. I think Mordechai Zeller used to work there. Our dear friend Rabbi Mordechai Zeller used to work there as well. Kibbutz Yimin Ord. You could, you could keep over there those extra ones. And they were busy with the land. I grew up in Ranana. I didn't see land. I, I, I mean, I saw land when I went to the beach in Herzliya. I saw sand. That was my extent of exposure to land. Um, and here in Efrat, Baruch Hashem, our children have the privilege of having right over here the Chavach HaTlait, which I think is actually just as holy as learning about the Mishkan for our times, literally. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And when they have the opportunity to go to different places and have anything to do with the land, Kamuvan, these are all blessed, beautiful things. I could say the same about whenever a child's connected to agriculture, whenever a child gets their hands dirty, right? There's something healthy. There's something beautifully activated in a child when they do that. But when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, everything that we do, hakol shonen, everything's different. The first source you have in front of you is, it's from a book called Beit Rebbe. And this is a book describing the, the life of the Admora Zaken, the Balatani, Reb Shneir Zalman of Liadi. But this is actually shows up as the Hakdama to one of the most important books of our time, one of the most important Sfarim of our time, and that is the book Ema Banim Smecha. Have you heard of Ema Banim? Yeah. Yoni, have you heard of Ema Banim Smecha? <laughs> <laughs> By Rav Teichtel, Zichet Tzadekut B'Kadosh Livracha Hashem Yikom Damo. Now's not the time to go into, I mean, it's always the time to go into Rav Teichtel, but then we would get into the problem that Rav Kimchi had with timing. So it's not about right now going into the origins of that Sefer, but the book is basically all about understanding the pnimiut, the chiyuv, and the gift of what Eretz Yisrael is really, really all about. And first, I just want to give us a bracha that these realizations and awakenings that we are coming to, it should never, ever happen again that because 1,400 Jews get shafted, that now I feel an awakening. That's not lechatchila. That's the bedievet shebedievet. I just want to give us a bracha that as we explore and hopefully I believe very strongly that that happens through learning Pinyuta Torah, the awakening of our soul to, to what needs to be, should be the way I choose to lead my life, not as a reaction to Yishmael acting exactly like Yishmael, v'hu adam. They're doing their thing. They're doing it, unfortunately, very well. We have to do our thing. So Rav Teichtel opens up, Ima Banim Smecha, quoting the follow, following letter that two tzaddik, one tzaddik wrote to another tzaddik. And you've heard of these tzaddikim. One of them is Rav Shnei Zalman of Liadi. And he's writing a letter to a very, very good friend of his, a big tzaddik named Reb Levi Yitzvak of Gredichev, the Kedushat Levi. Just mentioning their names, it's a good tingle in the, in the heart. A letter from the Balta Rebbe to Reb Shnei Yitzvak And he's explaining why he believes he merited getting out of jail. Remember the Alter Rebbe was incarcerated, the Alter Rebbe was thrown into jail. And he sat there for a while, and this, basically, this is what Yutes Kislev is all about, the celebration of the Alter Rebbe leaving prison. But it was a very, very, very big thing, not just another rabbi that went into prison. In Chassidut, they explained this to be the real moment where Torah Chassidut was able to spread its wings and reach the world uh, in the manner that we, Baruch Hashem, witness, we see today. So he attributes his leaving, his leaving of, of, from jail from the following. 
שהביאני השם עד הלום, שנתקדר ונתקדה שם שמיים על ידי. He says, why, why was there such a big stink over me? Who am I, such a low person, that because of me and because of what I went through and, and what I did, like, why is it that through me such a big thing has happened in the world because this Shmuav, the Alter Rebbe, leaving jail, being freed was a big, big thing in the world, in the Jewish world, and in the non-Jewish world. And he's wondering, like, why, what is it about me? What could it have been that there's such a big thing that came about my release? Ach me'et Hashem ha'itazot. This is all from Shemayim. Legalgel zchut al yadeinu. Bizchut eretz ha'kodesh ve'yoshbea. He attributes it, what happened to him, which has nothing to do with Eretz Yisrael. He attributes what happened to him to the zchut of Eretz Yisrael and its inhabitants. ותעזור לנו בכל עת להרחיב לנו מיצר ולחלצנו ממיצר. And the zchut of Eretz Yisrael and its inhabitants can be the only thing that will continuously serve to release us from any narrowness. Now what is he speaking about? What is the author Rebbe talking about? He thought about Eretz Yisrael, he got freed. But one of the things that put the author Rebbe in prison in the first place was because he set up a tzedakah fund that he was collecting tzedakah throughout his region that was going straight to keep the Yeshuvah Yehudi in Eretz Yisrael with everything that they needed back then. Through his best friend that had made Aliyah already, who was buried up in Tveria, and that is Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, together with Rabbi Avram of Kalisk. That was the first Hasidic Aliyah. This is, uh, this is the late, late 18th century. So when he looked into his whole life, into his whole world, what he really, really felt, what he saw to be the most important thing that probably is the reason why such a big Yeshua happened to him and why he was Zohar to be such a Kiddush Hashem, it was because he was sensitive to Eretz Yisrael. And you have to understand, the Alter Rebbe could have said this about a million other things. He helped countless widows and orphans and established shuls and schools and yeshivas and whatnot. And you could say a million things, but he attributes it to the schut of having anything to do with Eretz HaKodesh and its inhabitants. And we see throughout the Torah that whenever anyone of our avot connect themselves a little bit to the schut of Eretz HaKodesh, something changes. Something changes for them. You would think, well, avot, what do they have to be scared of? They're avot, they're Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. So if you look at the second source, Vayira Yaakov Me'od, this is of course in Parashat Vayishlach, and Yaakov Avinu is about to meet Esav. So the Midrash Rabbah says, the Gracious Rabbah says something beautiful. Why was he scared? So everyone, I mean, if you don't have the little Midrash says imagery in front of you, you're open to seeing it in a different light. The little Midrash imagery is always Esav's sharp teeth, right? That's like, that's why he was scared. He's about to get Mamash bitten into, into his neck. And then the whole the Rashi, the Midrash, it became whatever. The Midrash says something else. He says, you know what he was scared of? He says, Amar, Kol ha-shanim alalu esav yoshev be-eretz Yisrael. Tomar, Shubalai mikoach yeshivat, Eretz Yisrael. You know what he was scared of? He knew his brother was a Russian. Of course he knew his brother was a Russian. We know that we're surrounded by Rishayim Arurim, and there's zero difference between those that did what they did to us on October 7th and all of the Ishmaelim that are right over here. We know that. Even those that still are saying, no, no, no. You also know that. There's no difference. 
But what's the fear? What was Yaakov Inu's fear based on this medrash? Is that when you attach yourself to Eretz Yisrael, you have some kind of a koach. You do. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing's been making sense. Like, nothing's been adding up for 75 years. The fact that we've been able to do what we've been able to do for 75 years doesn't make sense. And the fact that they've been able to do what they've been able to do for 75 years doesn't make any sense either. Where is it coming from? Where do you think it's coming from? It's from Yaakov Avinu's understanding of what probably gives people an extra dosage of koach and schut, sub, even subconsciously. Yaakov Avinu is scared because Esav didn't go to Chutzlaretz. He stayed connected to Eretz Yisrael. He was, in, he was receiving some kind of vitality the whole time while Yaakov Avinu was gone. Esav is still receiving battery, battery Eretz Yisrael. And when someone receives that, that gives them a certain type of koach. And like what Rav Kimchi said before, that one of, the, one of the words that are used to describe Eretz Yisrael is achuza. It gives you some kind of a hold. It gives you some kind of a hold. You can't explain it. And there's another... The truth is, I, I, don't, I don't even have to go through... The Ramban also explains this. Yaakov Avinu only comes into Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov, when he comes into Shechem, it says he comes Shalem. He finally feels complete because he has that... That Indian of Eretz Yisrael now is coming back to him. But as long as he was outside of the land... He knew that the one that posed, that was basically the biggest threat to him was the one that didn't leave the land. And we have to really understand this very, very, very deeply and very carefully. Because everything we're seeing in front of us, like when you learn Pneumia Satura, you understand all the political leaders in all regimes, they're all pawns. We're also pawns. We're also pawns. But all the decision-making and all political decision-making, that's all the chitzani, that's all the outer stuff. Nachon, you have to leave all to raise awareness, always, 100%. But in the pinimius of things, what are we dealing with? What mitziyut are we dealing with over here right now? We're dealing with a people, it's a made-up people, it's a made-up name, there is no such thing as Palestinians, and it's a name, it's a word. This is the first time I've said that word, just for the context of what we're speaking about right now, because after October 7th, I said it's Pashut Asur to say that name in the shul. Why is it Asur to say that name in the shul? Because you're giving koach to a klipa of medameh. It's not something that exists. There is no such thing. But when I say that name, and I attribute to a nation, I ke'ilu give a form and a shape to a people that don't exist, whose charter calls for me to be dead. Where do they get the koach to still even stand here and to be, even be alive and exist? Besides what Rav Kimchi said before, is that we created all these job opportunities for them. <laughs> right? Which is just, it's Purim all year long, you understand. Like, where did it all come from? It actually came from us. And how do we get lost into such a big, big, big nikuda? How do we get so lost? How did we get so lost from what we're trying to do here in Eretz Yisrael? How did we get lost? Trumatadashin, yeah. Like, uh, we want Jews to be building it and we have to train Jews to build because I don't want somebody who wasn't certified 
Nahon. So this is, the, that connects to the beginning of what I was saying, that there's a whole element of things that needs to be discussed and raised, and that is, לחנך את הדור הצעיר, שאין זכות יותר גדולה מאשר כל מה שקשור לכל חלק של בניית ארץ הקודש. Which means there's no greater pride than any element or form of building anything that has to come to Eretz Yisrael. It reminds me, I was once, I learned this lesson in a backwards way. I was once in, uh, going, I was living in Los Angeles. There was a concert I was going to with friends of mine. And we stopped at a gas station in Orange County, if any of you know where that is. And one of my friends made a comment of like, they saw an older man there pumping gas. Right? Not Sherut Atzmi, Sherut Maleh. Someone that was working. It's, you know, we, we was like, we felt Zionists, we would go to Chevron, the gas station. Right? <laughs> Chevron. But, but that was our like, uh, you know, donating money to JNF. Like that was our, we're going to go to Chevron. We're going to go to Chevron. So we went to Chevron gas station, with those that understand, right? And we're pumping gas. And then one of my friends made a comment there and said, Oh, God, what a nebuch. Older guy pumping gas. And another friend of mine who grew up in Iran with no money, no nothing to his name, and Bo Hashem, he worked himself up and has become a very big gvir in the Baal Tzedakah, uh, in, the, in the garment industry, the fabric industry in, in the world, he said to him, there's never, ever any shame in doing what you have to do, as long as it's legal, for the sake of taking care of your family. And there was a moment in my, time, in my life, I'll never forget it. Now I want to flip it over to this. We have to create the reality, the experience that not only is there no shame in what you just said right now, but there's shame thinking that way. There's actually shame thinking that what you just said, that's shameful. First thing a person had to do in the morning when they came to the base of English was what? Dance, sing? No. What was the first thing, the first of all that you had to do when you woke up in the morning, come to the base of English? Removing something. Removing what? Removing leftovers from yesterday, from early in the morning. And who did that avodah? We don't understand yet. We still, because we still, we made aliyah, but we only made aliyah on the outside. Even people that have been here for 30, 50 years, making aliyah on the inside, in the pneumius, would make me understand that anything that I could do that has to do with binyan ha'aretz, that avodah ivrit, is not just, we should because, how could we do that? How could we bring in snakes? It's because, how could we not? Why would we not? Why would we mechanech a whole door to say, that, that stuff, that's for them. They know how to do it better. It's not true. I'm proud to say right now, Baruch Hashem, my family is in the middle of a very big shiputz of our home. And it's avodah ivrit, me'alef ataf. And we're having the most incredible experience with a bunch of guys that... So beautiful. Because I'm thinking about Rav, Rav Kimchi's uh, thingy. It's a bunch of guys. I don't know what circle they were in before October 7th. I can't tell because they're wearing tzitzis and they're covered in tattoos. It's like the most beautiful thing in the world. It's like, I can't tell. I have no idea. And like every time they take a, a coffee break or a cigarette break, they're, they're, they're all, you know, they're wearing tzitzis, but then they give over yarmulkes and say, 
they're going through this. It's an amazing thing. But to make that be something that you're proud to do is one of the she'ifot that can only come when the neshama makes aliyah. It can't come from here. It won't come from here. Because this tells me cheaper labor, you'll have more money to give for yeshivas. If you save money on, 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 on Jewish labor, to giving it to Arab labor, you'll have more money for other holy things. Why isn't that up there like one of the holiest things in the world? Because we still have to make this shift of consciousness of understanding what Aliyah truly means. Now, I want you to turn the page and I want you to see a beautiful, beautiful Igeret. And I, do, I, I actually want to conclude with this just to give us the, 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 the taste of the soul. Of course, when it comes to anything that's to do with Eretz Yisrael, who's our, who's our Rebbe? Who's our Gadol? The Kohen Gadol, Rav Kook. And Malasot. Rav Kook Rav Kook had the famous Masah Moshavot. You know what that you know what that was? When he went and he traveled up, he did a few this a few times. He did it with Rav Chaim Yosef Chaim Zalmanfeld, who was then the head of the Eid Haredis in Eretz Yisrael. They were from different camps, but they were very good friends. I have a beautiful album. I have a, I have a picture album from that Masah. And in fact, one time I actually went to go perform for a group of teachers that. They reenacted Rav Kook's Masaha Moshavot, and I went to Moshav, the Moshavah Kineret, by the Kineret, you know what that is? A beautiful area, and I did an evening for them, and they're basically reenacting Rav Kook's traveling, all the places he went to, and there's a lot of documentation of Rav Kook meeting the Am in the most beautiful way from that Masaha Moshavot. There's beautiful things. So Rav Kook sends a letter to them at the end of 19... I guess, means... Summer of 1920. And he says like this. This is Rav Kook's words. And Rav Kook is not saying this because he hates Arabs. And Rav Kook is not saying this for any other reason other than what it truly is. The schut of understanding what we're doing here coming back to Eretz Yisrael. Ezrat ha-goi kulo bebisus chosneinu u-kvodeinu ba-aretz u-ba-olam. We are called in to help our brothers, which is really helping ourselves, helping the nation in its entirety, by establishing our immunity and our kavod, our honor, in the land and in the world. Chova kfula u-mechupeleti al yeshuveinu kulo. This obligation of lending a helping hand and being there in help for each other on all of our yeshuvim specifically goes out to our ikarim and kormim. Ikar is a farmer. How would you say kormim? What's that? Yeah. Like those that work in the kramim, whatever you want to call it. Not the spa kramim. I'm talking about the... Actual coming. <laughs> also there, it should all be Yidden that are serving us as well. Asher Ladmata Kodesh. Asher Hit Azrachtem, Hit Azrachtem Ba'aretz, Unitatem Aliyah. That when this Rav Kook is now using a play in words, and he says that when a person comes to the land and he plants on it, he becomes to become an Ezrach. But Ezrach is the Lashon of 
Lizuach, you start to flourish, you start to shine. The people start to shine when they come and start working the land themselves. עכשיו הגיע הזמן להיחלץ חושים כולנו בעד העבודה העברית. רב קוק says, right now, it's time for the following. We all have to להיחלץ חושים, that means pull up your sleeves, be ready to get your hands into the mud, start to get a little bit dirty in a holy way. Why? For the concept of avoda ivrit. Rav Kook calls it out straight out what it is. Ata bahator shel vechai achicha imach. That's the end of the pasuk that Rav 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 Kimchi quoted before. Vechai timkerumim kala amitecha o kano miad amitecha vechai achicha imach. If you're going to sell something or buy something from someone, when it comes there, it's Israel. Who should it be from? Vechai achicha amitecha from your own people. It's not a luxury. It's a Torah, it's what the Torah says. Now is the time to actually fulfill the pasuk of Echayachi Chaimach. Beyachas lenetinat avoda bechol miktsaot hameshek shelano. Beyishuveinu kulo bechol molo uchbo vehekefo. Nava, this is very connected to what you brought up over here. Because Rav Kook saying, look at the meshek, look at the market, look at everything. There's so many different things that we could offer. Bless you. There's so many different things that we could offer that makes us the most proud that can really connect us to our achizah, holding on in the land. This land, since 1967, has slipped away from us, between Yamit, between Gush Katif, and between a lot of things that happen quietly that we, not, we don't really pay attention to. The achizah on the land has slipped away. And many can, you could attribute this to a very different, I know this is a big downer because we like to think, look at us, 75 years, there's no one been like this. That's also true. But the stuff that's not true really, really stinks. And it's really hard to accept. But it's really true. To grab onto the land, we could have an achizah. And not just to grab on and say, it's ours. We want to say, look world, it's ours. Like that, to say like, like a Moshe Feiglin full of teeth, you know, like, like, you know, like, like, in chiyuch, with like a, a projection of like, I know you're all waiting for us to finally do what we're supposed to be do here, doing here, which is to build the land in all of its form throughout the whole Meshach. I know it. That's what the world is waiting for us as well. Koli Elichem, third to bottom paragraph, Koli Elichem, Chavivim, all of you farmers, anyone that's in the field of agriculture, now that Jews are starting to come back home, this is one of the things that we need to see to see Jewish labor. Jewish labor. Not when it comes necessarily to high tech, and I'm not downing it. That also has its incredible power of being able to be a Kiddush Hashem in the world. But the labor where you mamish have to, have to get dirty. And then Rav Kook says something very important. I feel like when I saw this, he's talking to us today, especially post Simchas Torah. And I also want to say, and you'll be hearing from, from, a, from, from Kablanim, you'll be hearing from a contractor today, it's also going to be a big avodah on the world of the Kablanim that are hiring avodah ivrit, to do whatever they need to do, to do whatever they can to make sure that they don't remain part of the minya. And that has to do with agmasha. It has to do with a lot of different ways of showing 
that things could actually come down to a certain extent. כל מניעה שבעולם אסור לה להיות חוצצת בינינו ובין חובת הקודש הזאת. There is nothing in the world, there's no מניעה, no prevention, nothing that comes as a stumbling block should ever come between us and this holy obligation of Jewish labor. עלינו לזכור מהי חובתנו הכוללת לעמנו ולארצנו כעת חיה. We must remember what our obligation is to our people and to our land right now. נתינת עבודה בעין יפה בלא אמתלאות, בלא השתמטות, שאלת חיים היא לנו עכשיו, שאלת העבודה העברית. Giving out work without any being, without apologies, without השתמטות, without evasiveness. Because right now it's a question of life, whether we're going to continue or not, to even contemplate do we do עבודה עברית or not do עבודה עברית. And let's face it, not to go back to what we said we're not going to touch, but for a second over here, if you needed any halachic authority to come and get your mind straight, you cannot in any way, shape, or form invite a potential pikuach nefesh as a lechatchila into your life. You understand that? There's no halachic anywhere. There's no halachic authority that could tell you, well, in certain situations, really, you can lechatchila create a pikuach nefesh situation. I asked all my friends there in the Tchum of B'niyah, how many of them received phone calls from their associates, from Yishmael after October 7th? We don't have... You just have to be... You just have to be open to understanding that the world changed. It actually didn't change. The world is exactly the same, but our, our, our women, groups like this, have decided, and now we have people to look up to and say, It can't be, because he says, Rav Kook writes this, this is a question of life. Rav Kook is saying this in 1920. He's speaking about the soul of the land. And he's saying it's a matter of life for us to really be alive here or not. If Avodah Ivrit becomes the focus or not. And he ends here beautifully, Su'u Yedechen Kodesh Achim Ikarim. I love how he uses that, Su'u Yedechen Kodesh. You usually say that, you know, Su'u Yedechen Kodesh, Uvarchu Et Hashem. It's all like clean, priestly, Kohanic uh, blessing, right? No, Su'u Yedechen Kodesh, lift up your hands. Who? People that are working in the land, lift it up and go back in. But be conscious of what you're doing. Lift it up. Lift up the concept of Avodah Ivrit. Lift it up from being a Nebuch thing. Lift it up to a place of being proud, of feeling like it's honorable. Lift up the banner of Avodat Achim, Avodat Yisrael, Al Admat Yisrael. Lift up the banner. Make it something that you have Jewish parents encourage their children to invest so much of their time and effort if they see their children have some kind of a, you know, shayachut to that form of, of job. Push them to go do it. Push them to go do it. Not just doctors and lawyers, which of course we need as well. But what we really need today, of course, is that we need a field of people that do this. And I want you to know, a few of the guys that are working in my house right now are people, I, they're so besimcha, these are not the ones that are covered in, in tats necessarily. It doesn't matter. In that room, we're all achim there. Hopefully also outside of that room. 
But some of the guys are mefunim um, from the Tzafon. They live in, they live in uh, Moshav uh, Shtula, I think it is. One of those Yishavim, they've been out of their house for four months. They're staying in Malon Daniel in Yerushalayim. I don't know when they're going to be back in their homes. And they're going and they're saying, We've been thrown out of our houses for four months, but look what we're doing while we've been evicted from our homes. We're building Eretz Yisrael. And they say that with a real smile. Rebbe's of today. They feel so proud of it. We should too. וצור ישראל ירים מהרה נס לגויים, ונתחי ישראל ייכנס מארבע כנפות הארץ, וירום קרן לעמו על אדמת קודשו וחבל נחלתו לעולמים. Let's go kins off here by saying, the ingathering of exiles, whatever we need to do, whatever this next shlav in life is all about, בעזרת השם it should happen, and there should be a tremendous awakening within the am, בעזרת השם, to realize that for all the right reasons, Avodah Ivrit is so right. For all the right reasons, the shift of consciousness of Jewish labor is so right, and it's so about what this door should really, really be excited about, raising the flag, raising the banner of it, and be proud to say we took part in that shift of consciousness that happened in Eretz Yisrael. Alavai. Asherichem, and thank you so much for coming, everyone. Thank you.